I don't think anybody really understood what Sportsnet Bets was. In a lot of sense, it's people trying to find gold in the hills, and they're trying to get it right. And unfortunately, when you're starting something and pioneering, you fumble and you get things wrong. I don't think it was well thought out, and I don't think it's been executed properly. There was a lot of brand confusion here. You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister, recorded live on LinkedIn Audio. Follow Steve on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Welcome back, everybody, to LinkedIn Audio and the latest edition of the Gaming News Canada Show. It's uh, Thursday, February 16th. I'm your host, Steve McAllister, editor-in-chief of the Gaming News Canada newsletter. I know I say this every week, but we have a very, very busy hour planned. John Pappas from GeoComply will be joining us uh, in about 15 minutes. Michael Moskowitz, the CEO and a founding partner of North Star Gaming, will be coming on at 230 and uh, we're joined by our regular guests, uh, Amanda Brewer from Kinder Group, uh, Chris Abbott from Botano, and uh, my Parlay Media Group confreres, uh, Mark Silver and Mike Day. Let's get right to it because we only have them for a short period of time. The most clicked on story in the newsletter today so far, far and away, is uh, the piece that uh, Jonah Siegel of, of YYZ Media wrote overnight, uh, breaking the news that the Sportsnet is pulling the plug on its SN. Bets brand. And for, for those of you who don't know Jonah, Jonah's really the only remaining person covering the Canadian sports media landscape. And that's probably been the case for the better part of a decade now. But uh, Jonah's really plugged in the industry. His story overnight qu- quoted sources with Jonah. That's, uh, that's always good enough for me. He's got an incredible track record when it comes to breaking news on the uh, on on the sports media landscape in this country. Before we get uh, Jonah up, uh, just a few points from this article, then I'll, I'll, I'll get Jonah in here. It is going to be a phased approach, and for, for the people that haven't been following uh, SM Bets closely or at all, uh, about a year ago, Sportsnet, I guess, I guess probably just around the start of the NHL playoffs, Sportsnet launched the SN Best brand, really a social media play, and Cabral Richards, Cabby's been the face of that brand for the most part. From Jonah's reporting, the the social media channels and and the website of SN Bets will will uh, disappear at some point in in the coming weeks. Jonah, before I turn it to you, I do, I do want to mention any of us who's worked in the media, you you never you, you never celebrate or gloat about something like this. This this is a day where. Uh, when a story like this breaks, you you think about there are people who are going to lose jobs in an industry that's seen a lot of a lot of job cuts over the last five to ten years. We certainly feel for those people that are going to be affected by the decision of Sportsnet. But Jonah, maybe I'll just start by asking you: Is has this been a story that you've you've been working on for a couple of weeks now? Well, I think and and thanks for having me on. And Rogers and and, and media in general has been under pressure. Uh, Rogers specifically has brought in a new head of media who has a reputation for hitting numbers by way of cutting cutting heads. So there's not a lot of surprises. Um, last couple of days, I started heard, hearing rumblings that Sportsnet bets and the and the betting platform was a target. And uh, I did learn that at first I had heard that the entire betting platform was going to be cut, and later learned that wasn't exactly the case. That it was just the Sportsnet bets name itself, the brand was being eliminated. Most of the people in this forum, we've we've talked about the attempts and the ongoing process of, of 
media companies putting together sports betting and sports sports content. What's what's either your opinion or just people that you've been talking to? There's been so much focus on on TSN and Sportsnet, and and we, we hear we all read and hear the complaints about the advertising, and and we there's certainly been a lot of uh, controversy around around betting content on the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast. I mean, what are some of the things that you've you've heard from talking to your sources and, and and just your own thoughts? First of all, I think that it's really easy for a lot of people on the sidelines to throw dirt on trailblazers. So it's been a lot of the wild west, and I think it's a lot of people trying to figure things out. So I think we all need to take a deep breath and, and, and realize that in, in, a lot of, in a lot of sense, it's people trying, you know, to find gold in the hills, and I appreciate that. And they're trying to get it right, and I appreciate that. And unfortunately, when you're when you're starting something in pioneering, you fumble and you get things wrong. Um, I think this has been fumbled. I don't think it's been, I don't think it was well thought out, and I don't think it's been executed properly. Um, I, I do agree with what one of my sources told me yesterday, and that is that there was a lot of brand confusion here. Um, I don't think anybody really understood what Sportsnet bets was, because you've got players that are out there, pardon the pun, that will take gamblers' money. And Sportsnet Bets wasn't that. So you had people out there going, what exactly is Sportsnet Bets? Because they've, they've got really good and big advertisers behind them. Uh, so you've got multiple brands uh, sword fighting for audience recognition. And I think that's where a lot of the confusion was. Um, and as I wrote in the story, I, I, I think there's... I think they had a big appetite to do lots of things as opposed to trying to get one thing done well. They tried to do lots of things and instead they fumbled a lot. And I think right now what they're gonna try and do is clean it all up and serve their advertisers and partners well and see where they go from there. And then hopefully down the road, they'll figure it out. Yeah, that's that's great insight, Joan. I'll, I'll just add too, I think it makes it even more difficult when you have uh, in this case, sportsbook operators, and and again, we we both worked on in, in media, and then we've seen how it works when you do try to do advertorial or branded content campaigns with whether it's the automobile industry or, or retailers. But you have sportsbook operators who undoubtedly have certain thoughts on how their products should be showcased, and you're absolutely going to have some butting of heads. And and again, this is a feeling out process, and as Amanda Brewer and Chris Abbott and, and Mark and Mike and all of us in this forum every week have talked about it's 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 a work in progress. And it's it's not only that, Steve, it's a little bit like cannabis right now in that it's sensitive, right? There's people with yeah. a whole lot of opinions about it. We're not just talking about burgers, pizza and beer. We're talking about things that is sensitive and it's been outlawed in the past and it's been outlawed for a long time. So the minute you bring in something sensitive everybody's got an opinion on what it should look like and how it should look like. And when it comes to hockey in Canada, especially it's religion. So we've never had it before. And we literally went from zero to a hundred. So we went from no presence to we're now inundated with it. Uh, it's the same thing with the digital boards where we went from none to a hundred and we are as people adverse to change. So all of those things are immediately rejected you, you pile on all of these other factors that you and I just discussed, and it's a hot it's a hot mess. Cabby certainly is. I think it's fair to say he's he's been a, a lightning rod since the market opened last year, and and 
uh, his appearances on Hockey Night in Canada. In terms of Cappy's roles moving forward uh, at Sportsnet, uh, what what are you hearing, or, or do you have your own thoughts on on where where that's headed? I think he's the face of the brand. I think he's a face of the platform. My understanding is they moved back to Canada to do this. Cabby's, you know, in my opinion, one of the top five faces of sports media in the country. I think he's one of the best at what he does. This is my own personal opinion. I think he's been underutilized in the role. Uh, I think it's great that he's back home. And um, I, I don't think he's taking it on the chin. As I said, I think he deserves a ton of credit for being a pioneer. And um, nobody really knows, me included, you know, the pressures that he's had and who he's had to answer to or what he's had to go through. You know, I'm making air quotes here because you can't see me. What Whose bosses are uh, internal or external and putting things up there. But at no time did I ever hear he was in trouble. Uh, he is going to remain there. I'm hoping this will allow him to diversify, maybe do some other things at Sportsnet outside of gambling. Um, but I, I don't think he should be a lightning rod. I, again, I think it takes guts to try something new. I think that um, he's a phenomenal media personality, and uh, I hope this allows him to continue to explore and be creative and try new things. I agree with everything you said, John. I, I think I, I suggest that he's a lightning rod because he is. He has been the face of, of SM Bet, so I think that just puts him in that in that space, and and that's that's a tough place to to be. But I'm 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 with you. I think he Cabby's one of the bright uh, sports broadcast in this country. And I, and I certainly hope that this, uh, uh, what Sportsnet does here, gives him the freedom to do do what he really excels at. And that, that's those interviews back to the days of, of, of the score and, and the stuff that, uh, that that he did back back then. Any other insight, Jonah? I think it's really unfortunate the way this has evolved. Again, I give I give folks credit for trying something. I personally think that I don't really understand the way that Rogers led with this. To me, it was, you know, to use the sports analogy, they, they ended up in the mushy middle. They didn't educate newcomers and they didn't facilitate the experienced gamblers. And they were kind of in the middle. And to me, that was a mess. And I think if they had picked one side or the other, they would have been better off. And I don't think we'd be having that discussion. Um, I'm hoping that through content, through the experts from the books, they will be doing that. Um, but time shall tell. I tend to be big fans of people that, that take risk, um, that like to be trailblazers and like to do things for the first time. So I think it's sad. And, and as you said initially, people are unfortunately going to be out of jobs. And at this time right now, that's really unfortunate. I hope that anybody affected is able to get something meaningful to them quickly. Um, and I look forward to seeing, you know, how this gets gets laid out. But my understanding is the Sportsnet brand of a Sportsnet bets will be eliminated in the next three weeks. Before we let you go, I'd love to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, we talk we're talking about Sportsnet, obviously, but just the way TSN's approached uh, betting since the market opened and, and its relationship with uh, with FanDuel. It certainly has not been as front and center as Sportsnet bet has been. Um, it's been more muted. I think that's the best way of, of describing it. I think they've taken a more dipping their toe into the pond, so to speak, where where Rogers has jumped more in deep. Um, I'm not saying that's better or smarter. I think it's been a safer approach. Um, listen, I mean, everyone here 
is is more expert on the gambling space. I read all the time the amount of money being invested in the space. People are clearly doing it. The, the record number I saw from the Super Bowl over the weekend tells you everything you need to know. I think you know a more guarded approach is probably a little bit wiser, but we'll see where things shake out in 18 to 24 months. And John, I would say, I think you're right on the dipping the toes in, in the water and, and I couldn't agree with you more on the education piece. I think the one area where, where sports nets really struggled is that I think we all realize that you're, and, and Sam Nazrawi from Sportsnet, we talked about this uh, about a year ago when I when I wrote a column for the Toronto Star on, on SN Bets, is that uh, I think educating sports fans about betting is an important piece of the puzzle. And it, it, it feels to me that Sportsnet's kind of fallen has fallen short in that area and i think it just kind of jumped in with both feet quickly and and that was in hindsight that uh, that was a mistake to me uh, you know i'm older certainly not more mature um but there's a lot of people out there that don't understand what the money line means there are people who don't know what a parlay is there's people who don't know what a teaser is um you're watching hockey night in canada and just presenting the line isn't enough um in my opinion, you know, the intermissions or, or pregames is a really good opportunity to educate people. So again, they, they didn't decide to do that. And at the same time, they didn't go really deep in content towards the expert gamer. Again, they chose the, the, the mushy middle, um, which doesn't fill a, an app, doesn't fill a hunger to either side of the equation. So to me, they missed the boat on both ends. I think that you know, there's a way to, if it were me, and I wasn't asked, thankfully, but if you'd started the season by saying, you know, we're going to start with, you know, a fictitious amount of money, and we're going to, you know, we're going to help these people play with fake money, and we're going to explain, you know, how we're doing week over week with the fake money, and we're going to try different different types of games, we're going to try parlays, we're going to try teasers, we're going to try over-unders, we're going to try betting lines, and explain it, and bring people on a journey, to me that would have been much more successful than the mushy middle than they were in. One person's opinion, not worth very much, but here we are. Appreciate the opinion, Jonah. Listen, we'll let you get back to your conference. Thanks so much for jumping on. Great, great work as always getting, uh, getting the goods on, on this story. And uh, let's, get you, uh, let's get you back in here at some, at some time when you're back home in the Pacific Northwest. Happy to talk to you. Keep up doing the good work and uh, happy to talk to anyone. You can always reach me here on LinkedIn or at uh, at the Twitter handle at YYZ Sports Media. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks, Jonah. Yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna give that Jonah's Twitter handle, so it's it's uh, at YYZ Media, where you can follow Jonah. And again, if you're curious about what's going on in Canadian sports media, Jonah's yeah, Jonah's your guy. Uh, we're gonna get uh, John Pappas up here on uh, into the room here. Uh, introduce John, the Senior Vice President of Government and Public Affairs for for GeoComply. And uh, it's, it's funny, John and I met uh, Troy Ross, who's been here on LinkedIn Audio with us, introduced uh, me to John at the G2E conference in Las Vegas back in, uh, back in October. Uh, I reminded John about that this morning, and, and John sent me a note back immediately saying that uh, he remembers that because he felt, felt bad because uh, we actually, that introductory meeting took, in front of the Geo, took place in front of the GeoComply booth and uh, John hadn't been uh, announced yet as joining joining the company, so he had to kind of bite his tongue that day during our, our meeting. 
but GeoComply is a company that's been in the news a lot the last couple of weeks uh, around the around the Super Bowl and uh, had a chance to speak with Steve Hoare, uh, their content manager, on Monday morning. And the, the, the company's also been busy in, uh, in Canada looking after its clients over the past week. John, is this your maiden LinkedIn audio voyage? It is. You guys are uh, <laughs> uh, popping my cherry right now. So I appreciate <laughs> the, the opportunity to join, to join you all. Well, listen, John. Thank. I really appreciate you uh, you, you making the time and, and joining us. And I guess first, where are you joining us from? I'm actually based out of Washington D.C. The, the the swamp, as they like to call it, uh, elsewhere. But yeah, I've I've lived and worked out of Washington D.C. for the last 25 years. Hey, John. I know you've been around the industry for a while now. I just before we jump into the GeoComply stuff, I I, I would love to get your take. Uh, I'm sure you. You've read and you may have even listened on the uh, the American Gaming Association State of the Industry webinar yesterday, where uh, you know they delivered some pretty pretty incredible numbers with uh, with revenue and and just just a good news story for the regulated industry in the U.S. Uh, for 2022. Um, I think uh, I think a 14 maybe a 14 percent increase in, in in revenue gaming revenue across the board. Um, I know this is kind of right in right in your wheelhouse, but uh, I'm thinking that you weren't too surprised by the numbers. But it must it must still be um, a pretty good story for you, given what's happened in the U.S. since PASPA was overturned in 2018. Oh well, absolutely. I think it's it's uh, encouraging numbers because it also I think dispels some of this ideas that when you have mobile sports betting or iGaming, that it could impact overall revenues for the gaming industry. And what we're seeing is that, you know, as more uh, verticals for gaming become available to consumer, whether it be uh, iGaming or mobile sports betting uh, or lottery or greyhound racing, whatever it may be, it lifts the entire uh, the industry, right? People have uh, entertainment dollars that they want to spend on uh, gambling and gaming activities. And uh, what we're seeing is that coming out of the pandemic is that there's a really strong interest in the American consumer to seek out this form of entertainment. And, and it's a good thing uh, across all verticals. Hey, John, we usually get a few few uh, listeners in this in this forum who are, are a little bit new to the to the gaming industry. I was hoping maybe you could just explain a little bit what GeoComply does. And, and again, uh, you know, um, you provide the geolocation services. I think anyone who gets our newsletter just loves seeing the graphics that, that your uh, your graphic design team put out every week. And and. Uh, the activity around the Super Bowl that we featured uh, in the in the uh, newsletter uh, last week was was insane. But can you maybe just talk a little bit about what GeoComply does on behalf of operators? Sure. So I think we're most well known uh, as a geolocation service provider, which is providing the compliance tools to ensure that betters are located in the jurisdiction supposed to be in order to place a bet. So if you're in Ontario. If you're an operator in Ontario, you have to make sure that all the people that are uh, betting on your platform, iGaming on your platform, are doing so from within the province of Ontario. You can't have somebody in Quebec. You can't have somebody in BC. You can't have somebody in Michigan uh, betting on your platform. So our technology uh, does that first and foremost. But we also provide services uh, for 
uh, KYC, which is Know Your Customer, so age and identity verification, and then also anti-fraud services, so identifying things such as uh, proxy betting or bonus abuse or um, other uh, identity theft and helping operators to ensure that their platforms are safe for the consumers and that the platforms themselves don't get ripped off uh, by bad actors. So we kind of provide a whole suite of compliance tools for for regulated operators and, and we're proud to you know, support uh, companies both north and south of the, of the border, uh, the North American border. And the one thing I found fascinating reading some of the coverage last week, John, was just some of the uh, some of the support that GeoComply gave operators around cybersecurity, and that's that's something you know we talk about proxy betting, and and uh, you know we talk about those neat neat gifts with the betting activity that GeoComply tracks, but um, obviously the cybersecurity is a much more serious piece for operators. Yeah, it's a growing concern, right? I mean, cyber fraud is growing across all e-commerce platforms. Betting is no different. Anytime you have a lot of money exchanging, uh, that's a time where fraudsters really kind of look to take advantage. And the Super Bowl is a great example of that, right? We, we, we stopped over 9,000 uh, attempts at uh, people accessing um, the... Uh, the platforms in in uh, Ontario, are the, our clients in outside of the the province, uh, we stopped nearly 300 cases of suspected proxy betting, uh, and the the list goes on as to other areas that we were able to detect and stop on behalf of our clients. So we know that you know things like the Super Bowl and any major sporting event is going to bring out the uh, the fraudsters to try to take advantage, and and so we always have to be on high alert. Uh, our customers are are uh, fully protected. Yeah, if you had, if you had a chance, uh, I mean, I love the map that, that Steve Horace shared with us that we that we have in the newsletter this morning, John, on on just uh, the places where bets for were that, that were tried to be placed on on the weekend or last week during Super Bowl week. And you know, I'm looking at this map right now, and you've got. Uh, People trying to place bets from Guatemala and Venezuela and Estonia and, and, and Ghana and and uh, I mean just just the, the tech itself and it's one of those things I I love I'd love it sometime to get into a geo comply war room on a on a Super Bowl weekend and, and watch watch your people in action. Well, I, I hope I, I hope you are uh, like strong coffee and late hours because that's exactly what it's like. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, it's not all cram. It's, it's not like we're cramming for an exam and everyone's just doing the work on Friday and Saturday night before the big game. It, it's an entire year lead up. I mean, we think about the Super Bowl the minute the the last Super Bowl ended. So our team is is working to optimize our systems. You know, kind of you know more from the PR standpoint the data collection and dissemination that there are some long hours like i you know my team was working you know well after the super bowl uh, concluded to kind of collect the data from our analysts uh, compile it into media statements and then issue it out uh, our team uh, no, no lie was working until two in the morning eastern uh, to get all that put together and uh, you know it's something we we expect to do every year because it is the biggest event of the year and it is a big opportunity for uh, for GeoComply to to showcase not only the data but also showcase how we're serving our customers. You know we talk about how fast moving this industry is and the technology and the innovation but 
I mean, that's the innovation piece is absolutely critical for a company like yours because you, you always need to be one step ahead of the people who are trying to be one step ahead of you. Yeah, so GeoCompliance company, the company has grown significantly over the last several years, um, but most of our growth is in our developers and data analysts side, um, not 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 the fluffy PR or government relations guys like me, where they really <laughs> focus their money is is improving the product, and and um, we have a you know a full team, a fraud team that is searching the internet on a daily basis and the dark web on a daily basis to, uh, to, to, you know, find out if there are tools that are being used by fraudsters to, you know, uh, spoof their location or uh, uh, commit certain forms of online fraud. And then we have to optimize our systems to defend against those. And we do those in real time. Uh, we are continually updating our systems on a daily basis to, to do this and, and adding new, new ways that fraudsters are trying to beat the system, we have to stay ahead of them. We only have a couple more minutes with you, John. I just wonder if anybody else here, if, if you know, Amanda or Chris have a question for John before we, uh, before we let him go. No real questions. I mean, we, um, we use the service with uh, Botano and, um, you know, no problems. Like, um, it's, it's been a, a really reliable, um, and, and, you know, trustworthy service to use so i mean it's been um it's been great uh to keep up the good work over there my payment's on its way <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's all echo those comments from north star we appreciate that certainly i mean I, that's you know the for a company like ours getting direct feedback from our customers is the, probably the most valuable feedback we can get so i uh, appreciate that and obviously you know we're we're always looking to improve our, ser our services, our, you know, our direct customer service, uh, our products uh, in, in any way we can. So we, we'd like to consider our relationship uh, as a partnership, right? So it's not just us telling you what you need to do, but you telling us, hey, how can we optimize these things? How can we make them better? And we'll, we'll take that into consideration and see how we can improve our systems. Hey, John, before you go, as someone who's been around the block with, with the gaming industry for, I guess, the better part of two decades, like just uh, what are your thoughts on, on what's happened in Ontario so far? And, and what do you, what do you kind of see happening perhaps beyond Ontario with, with other, other provinces moving forward? Well, I mean, I think, I think Ontario has, has certainly been a, a success for sure. Uh, I mean, I think it's obviously drawn in a lot of, of companies from all over the world to, to be part of it. And so it's created a model that's, I think, much different than what we've seen in the U.S. where there are so many restrictions on who can enter and how they can enter. So I think that's, that, that's nice to see. But also, I think, you know, it, it, it does create, I think, some challenges from a compliance standpoint, right? Because some of the companies that are operating uh, in Ontario haven't had some of the compliance requirements in other jurisdictions. Uh, they are, I think, much more strict in the U.S. On, on some things than they are in other jurisdictions. So I think that's a learning curve for a lot of operators. Uh, but in, in terms of where it goes from here, I think that, you know, the more the immediate success, and I think, you know, once we have a full year's worth of numbers uh, sometime in, in April or May, Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, other provinces are going to have to stand up and take notice, right? That what are they missing out on? What is the revenue that they could be achieving through uh, this type of this type of model? 
um, how can they do it in a way that that protects their citizens um, and also, uh, like I said, raises that revenue. Uh, and, you know, I, I've heard rumblings that there are already provinces that are talking about it, right? So, like, and, and how can Ontario kind of serve as the, uh, the model for these other uh, jurisdictions, I think, uh, remains to be seen. But I, I know that it started the discussion, certainly in Canada. John Pappas is the Senior Vice President of Government and Public Affairs for GeoComply. Uh, John, we're really glad that uh, Steve Hoare was able to, uh, I don't know if he had the strong army or not, but we're, we're really glad that you uh, you joined us here on, on LinkedIn Audio today, and we, we'd love to get you back here sometime. Uh, absolutely not. It was a pleasure to do it, and, and uh, no, no strong arming was was included, just a Slack message saying, would you do it? And I said, of course, especially if Steve's asking. <laughs> well, listen, John, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much again, and we'll look forward to talking again soon. You guys take care. Thank you. Thanks, John. Uh, we'll bring in now Michael Moskowitz, the uh, Chief Executive Officer and founding partner of, of North Star Gaming. And uh, Michael, uh, I was uh, Monday morning, so I, I, guess I'm not, I guess I'm still on London time, so not rubbing the sleep out of my eyes, but... <laughs> Uh, certainly was well aware when when your uh, press release came came across, and uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned it to you. I might have mentioned it to Mark Silver, but ironically enough, I I was introduced by Troy Ross to, to Charmaine Hogan from Playtech at the Canadian Gaming Association reception during ICE last week, and. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Mike, but obviously an exciting day for, for the company. And maybe you can just uh, start by walking, walking our listeners through the, the highlights of this deal. Uh, you know, how long, I, I assume this is a deal that took some time to come together and, and mm -hmm. why, the, why this deal makes sense to you. It's, it's a, kind of a loaded question, but uh, hey, Steve, th thanks for having me. It's good to be here. I mean, we've been, you know, we've been really heads down. Uh, developing and building our business, so you know it's it's uh, you know we're just we're, we're now starting to talk about things. Um, so so hey, yeah, it's it's, it's exciting for for North Star Gaming. Um, just to kind of re recap for uh, for your listeners, we announced a strategic investment uh, from Playtech of uh, just over twelve million. Um, for those of you who, who don't know Playtech, or maybe you know some of Playtech, they they are definitely the world's largest supplier of online gaming software uh, and sports betting software. Um, you know, kind of there's two components, which I uh, you know I'm happy to walk you through, but uh, in, in a little bit of detail. But there's also, in addition to the investment, uh, there was you know some extension of, of of commercial terms to extend our relationship for a longer period and gave us national coverage. Uh, and then you know what what I call kind of a strategic advisory, um, which is really nothing new, and and we can talk about it. But you know the combination of uh, the financing and the support. Um, will really help to fuel not only our growth in Ontario, but also as we look to future uh, jurisdictions and and Canadian markets, it'll definitely it'll definitely help us. It's part of a broader um, kind of financial plan that we have uh, that's coupled with you know an RTO and a go public opportunity that we have. Um, so that's kind of part and parcel of this. But you know the 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 deal itself was you know to be honest it's 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 not magical or anything it's it's actually quite quite natural um you know we set out on a journey early on uh kind of when we first 
set on this path to kind of build the best of breed technology, you know, with, with, with partners. And, you know, that took, that took quite a bit of time to develop and establish uh, as um, many operators probably understand. Uh, but ultimately we knew that that, that, that relationship would help to really accelerate our, our growth. And even if there was some pain points early on, we wanted to set ourselves on the right path for, uh, for growth and expansion. Uh, Playtech was our, our platform of choice and uh, Canby was our sports book partner. Um, you know, I think, you know, as, as, as I mentioned, they're, you know, not only a strong technology partner, but very well known internationally. Uh, and, and arguably the most, you know, advanced technology companies in the, in the space. And so we ultimately wanted to build and deliver the best possible experience to, to cater to what we would call, uh, you know, a premium player. And we also wanted a flexible environment that, that gave us some of the things that we wanted um, that we thought would help to change our market and put us in a position where we could compete strongly. Um, and then we had this, this ongoing and strong desire to incrementally improve and change, right? I mean, we're in the, we're in the, an industry that's constantly changing and evolving, and so we wanted uh, to ensure that we had a relationship with with a partner and especially a strategic that would allow us to do that longer term. Um, you know, Playtech was 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 there right from the from the start from the early stages, and uh, you know, we leverage their the IMS platform that they have, uh, a number of their their casino games, uh, you know, some of their live casino. Uh, that kind of helps to power this North Star Bets platform and unique uh, value proposition that we have. Um, I think that you know that early on. Uh, they were impressed with with our with our business model and kind of the way we conducted business and our product offering, so things just naturally evolved uh, as a partnership. This wasn't set out to be a strategic investment right out of the gate, but as the relationship evolved and we got to know each other and we saw each other's you know business opportunities, that that discussion started to evolve. So it it did take many months to evolve this. It wasn't in advance. Um, you know, we, we, we've built the relationship with Playtech on a multiple levels. I, I, I would consider it to be uh, kind of a win-win for both organizations. Uh, I, we call it, I, I call it an advisory, but it, you know, it includes kind of traditional things like product development and, you know, inclusion of games and, you know, support, which is world-class and some, some, some of the aspects of the managed services. Um, you know, I think, you know, they they saw that it was coupled with uh, an incredible local team and, you know, who understands the market, not only from a gaming perspective, but also from a technology perspective and a media perspective. Um, you know, all that coupled into into one really leads to a, a great partnership. Um, and also from the Playtech side, you know, it also provided them with a kind of a national partner that that supports uh, long-term growth. I mean, you know, with any global company, uh, you, you look at taking, you know, having a partner that can take you into other places. Now, you know, having them scale into smaller jurisdictions is quite difficult. Uh, so as the relationship evolved, that became a stronger partnership. So I, I consider it um, very, you know, to truly a win-win situation for both organizations. and. You know, we operate as as many of the operators, and and, and you you know this well, Steve, is you know kind of very very nimble, fast moving environment. Um, we tend to make 
decisions fairly quickly um, locally, and then you overlay you know the world class kind of technical ability and and playtech's global experience and knowledge from other jurisdictions. You know, so you have the local aspect, you have the international component. I mean, as, as I mentioned, it's a it's a if a perfect kind of a perfect match. And, you know, frankly, you know, from my perspective, you know, if we can help to mitigate some of the operating risks, then that's really helpful from, uh, from a startup perspective. We've, you know, we've gone from, you know, literally starting from nothing to, you know, to evolving the business and, and growing significantly in a very short period of time. We, we came into the market in the regulated market. We, 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 we didn't come from, you know, from somewhere else and then moved into the regulated. We started here. So, you know, we don't know anything but the regulated market at, at you know at this point. Um, I I would say that you know just you know building on that the teams have worked really closely side by side in a very collaborative way. Um, you know these are international teams, so we're you know we're we're tying together multiple development organizations and, and project teams from around the globe uh, that are all, you know, hinging on supporting the, can, the Canadian market. Uh, and really the nucleus is here, uh, but it, it's, it's working well now that we're, you know, whatever, 10 months into this and obviously many months before that to establish the, 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 the product, it, uh, it's working really well. Um, I think just finally this, you know this this talks to uh you know kind of our longer term plan and you know that this this ties us back the the investment that that they've made ties back into the the the, the broader strategy of us you know executing on a on an rto and going public um and i think longer term for for us and playtech is it does play position us within their environment, their ecosystem as a large corporation um, at a higher priority, you know, making sure we get the things done that we need to do as a Canadian entity, delivering a great experience for Canadian customers. Um, you know, we, we do have a unique uh business proposition um you know as uh, as as you well know as the kind of the intersection point between sports media and wagering um thanks to you know many of our partnerships obviously with with uh with torstar but also with parlay and others um you know we're we're, we're carving a, a a real unique niche for us in the Canadian market and tying that experience together. So, you know, Playtech clearly values and endorses that approach and uh, wanted to be a part of that uh, as supporting us in the Canadian market. So it's, um, you know, kudos to, to the team and kudos to the business model. But uh, we're now on to onto the next phase, which is, you know, executing to our plan. Right. Hey, Michael, just to piggyback on uh, what you, both you and, and John Pappas had to say about looking beyond uh, Ontario, it, it sounds like your North Star is already having those discussions about what, what provinces, what comes next and what provinces next. Can, how much can you talk about that? L listen, first of all, I, I think that Ontario and, 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 and you know, your, you know, your listeners know this very well and the operators is that, you know, Ontario is, is really should be put on a pedestal, um, and it's a replicable model for other jurisdictions. I mean, you know, kudos to the AGCO and IGO leadership. Um, you know, they were mentioning this on just prior to this on the on the call that, you know, attracting operators uh, from around the globe in a cohesive strategy, right, and structure. Um, you know, 
and yes, there's lots of tweaking that's going to go along the way, and that happens with any new initiative. But uh, I, 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 I think that this, you know, frankly, it's it's the the replication of this into other jurisdictions has gone a little bit slower than I would have thought. I think, you know, looking at the at the numbers that that have been generated. Um, you know, it's 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 hard to imagine that other other jurisdictions and provinces don't want to get on board pretty quickly. You know, it may be a tweaking of of the model that they have, but it's it's hard to ignore that. Um, and, and do I think that the market will go through changes? And uh, do I think that you know some will win and some will lose? Of course, and the landscape's going to change. But you know, the platform that Ontario built is is definitely one that that should be taken to other jurisdictions and uh and that that's all I'll, I'll say today but you know we as our first entry into ontario we didn't operate in other jurisdictions so this is like i said before this is this is all we know um replicating this into other jurisdictions with the content and the product that we have shouldn't be as shouldn't be that difficult based on what we've done so far in this form we uh, we talk a, a lot about the established operators and and as you mentioned you you guys are kind of uh you're a, a men a minnow in these waters so to speak like uh, how's it gone for north star gaming are you able to talk about some of the some of the pain points but also some of the successes that the company's had you know what are we we're not even 11 months into the market here yet for us our uh, you know the pain points are are a lot of them are behind us only because we were kind of, we were, we were building, learning, developing all at the same time. Um, so that's why I mentioned, you know, I think replicating this is, is going to be a little bit easier on, on the second, third, fourth, uh, iteration of it. Uh, it's honestly, Steve. It's been going great. I mean, you know, the we're 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 experiencing really strong demand from our consumers. Um, you know, the experiences are going well. We we had this. We had our betting hub and our content hub up before we launched, so we had a little bit of time to uh, to evolve that. And you know, now we are focused on the journey for you know for the customer and the player, and how do we accelerate you know our and optimize our our experience. But we're 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 seeing, you know, strong growing numbers. Um, you know, consumers are are definitely uh, enjoying the experience. Uh, we're optimizing, and you know, I think looking ahead, uh, the demand is just going to grow. I mean, you know, if 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 the market doubles in over the next twenty four months, um, I think everybody is going to be uh, ex- very happy with with the progress, and and that's the expectation. Um, I think, hey, listen, you know, I the other the last point is and just is just coming to me that you know I, I think that we still feel that there's a lot of white space out there. It's just you know for for operators that are that can that can identify their segment and and their acquisition strategies. Uh, the market and the TAM overall for Ontario alone is is huge. Um, you know, whether it be the third or fourth largest market in North America. The opportunity is 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 massive, and I think that you know what we're finding is some scale, but the variable cost model is uh, is one that will will well, that will lead to long term success and and continuous investment into the market. Hey, Michael, really appreciate you joining us this afternoon. It's long overdue getting you getting you here, and hopefully we don't have to wait this long to to get you back on on again. And uh, uh enjoy the conversation and, and maybe we'll get you back on when you're ready to uh ready to, to join the tsx venture exchange <laughs> exciting <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks we got a little bit of work to do on that but we're getting there so 
appreciate everybody's time. Thanks, Steve, and welcome back from London. Great. Thanks very much, Michael Moskowitz, the Chief Executive Officer and Founding Partner of, of North Star Gaming, talking about their uh, their extended deal with Playtech this week. Appreciate uh, Michael joining us. Uh, got about 13 minutes left, but maybe go around the horn. I've I've been doing a lot of the uh, a lot of the talking and. Uh, uh, Mark Silver, maybe we'll go back to uh, our discussion at the top of the top of the hour with, with Jonah Siegel, and and you're someone who's followed the media networks quite closely, and love to get your perspective on on Jonah's story overnight. Yeah, thanks, Steve and Michael. Uh, good to see you in here. Thanks for coming aboard today. You know, it's always disappointing to see cutbacks in the media industry. I mean, that's how I'm looking at this. Um, I know there's a lot of rumor out there around um, you know, what the the internal kind of leadership team at, at Sportsnet thought about SM bets, but like it or not, there's some good people who are behind that content, and they and they were doing their job. So very disappointed to see that that pullback. I think when you look at you know what we've created with Parley Media Group and and then the migration of our brand to Homestand Sports, I mean we're we're, we're freely admitting that you know focusing 100% of of a business on creating sports betting content is very difficult as a standalone media company. So we, we've seen in a larger, larger framework of media. We've seen the connection with with affiliates. We had you know Aubrey Levy on this very forum one week ago. He told us all that you know, the sports betting content itself is not going to convert into bet handles. You need to generate more mainstream content, general interest content all around sports. You get people to a place where they're consuming sports. In this case, mostly data, not content that could convert easily into a bet slip. I mean, he told us all about that. So. I think there's that disconnect when you look at a company like like TSN or Sportsnet in our market, or obviously someone like ESPN or NBC in the U.S. market, where there's the difference between being a media company, being a media company and an affiliate, driving customers to sportsbooks, and then being this hybrid of media company and sportsbook operator. Michael's still on here. Amanda's here. Chris is here. All of you are in a much better position to give you know your opinion on the nuance between media and betting where is the line and uh, we're not looking for definitive answers here we're just looking for an indication of of what you believe and you know how you as a company are making bets around um, your investment in media content and how that converts into increased handle and revenue for your operations yeah and amanda brewer i know as someone who's not only uh, uh, an industry executive but also a sports fan that you that you certainly have a perspective or some thoughts on this yeah, I mean, I guess you look at it from two ways. I mean, I, I really agreed with what Jonah was saying earlier. I mean, you have to remember that the access to the betting activity has been available in this province for more more than a decade. What is new is our ability to publicly talk about it and advertise it and market it. That's what's new. And never for a moment should we think we've got it all figured out. Um, you can't take what works in the States. You can't take what works in Europe and then come and just apply it into Ontario because we're a, de- a very different demographic and the way we consume sports may look very similar to the Americans, but it's through the lens of a Canadian. Um, so I think the best way to look at this first year is you know, under the headline of test and learn. We're all coming in here with some things we're going to test out and we're going to see how they go. But I don't think even if you talk to, you know, the operators with the biggest pieces of the pie, I don't think they'd even say they have Ontario all figured out yet. This is a highly competitive market. There are more operators in Ontario than I would say in almost any other market anywhere else in the world. Um, And not all of them are going to be behaving in traditional ways or using traditional media to try to get 
uh, customers. So I think, you know, it's kind of a very, you know, very mixed bag answer. But I think that, you know, for some, they're going to be leaning really hard into custom content. You know, we've had um, Jared Bieber from Bet99 on talking about kind of bespoke custom content for some of their VIP customers. I mean, on a kindred Unibet side, we don't lean so heavily into the sports. I'm a bit of a broken record on that. Um, and quite frankly, we're not all that interested in competing in the Toronto market either because everyone else is here. So, you know, there, there's, it's a big province. There are other places you can go to find customers than just in downtown Toronto. So I think that, you know, for some operators, this is still going to be several more months of test and learn because for those who came in on April 4th of last year, there were just a handful of other operators. Now we're pretty much at the saturation point. So I think that that trial and error phase will be going on for a little bit longer. And I think what's happening with SN Bets is a really good example. You launched with something, you gave it a try. It's not achieving the objectives you had. It's not to say that, you know, Sportsnet won't come back with something else, but you know, we're still testing and we're still learning because I think one thing is you can bet on we are sports fans in this province, but how we're going to react to this sudden change in terms of some of the content that for some people feel is shoved down their throats right now. I mean, that's where we're starting to see some of the changes happening. You know, that some of the changes that we're seeing happening now. Chris Abbott, I think Amanda's probably left you a little bit of room there. Well, I mean, uh, she's covered a lot of the points, right? So I I fully agree that it's it's part of a bigger ecosystem of attracting players. So you do need to have good content. Um, what you sponsor, what is produced in-house, what you outsource. Um, yeah, it's still about finding the right mix. I think that changes for each individual operator based on what they have at their disposal. Um, and then I think a quick summary on the SN bets thing, you know, one of the things that we've celebrated in Ontario is like, Hey, we took in the, you know, the gray market operators. We used a lot of the best practices from other jurisdictions. And, and even though they may have been gray market things, it was implemented into, you know, what the AGCO did in terms of regulation and, uh, KYC and, and payments processing and all these things that were, were taken from other jurisdictions. One thing we didn't do in our, in our province is bring in people who might have been gray market content creators. Um, for me, you know, I, I got my start in the industry doing uh, content for Odd Shark, and we were promoting, you know, offshore books in the US and Canada and wherever else we were. But there was a lot of good stuff being made. So uh, there's a ton of people who do really good sports betting focused content. And I think um, I don't know that that resource was tapped very well. And I'll be curious to see if uh, if we see a little more of that as we go forward. Mike, there, I'm really interested in your comments too, because you're someone who's spent a, a huge chunk of, of his of your career with with TSN, both on the on the television and the digital side. And I, I know you have uh, you have some thoughts on this topic as well. Uh, sure. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Steve. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, listening to Jonah off the uh, off the top of the podcast. I mean, he echoed a number of things that we have talked about before, a number of things that I wrote even today on our Parley Media Group Slack channel, um, and a lot revolved around the confusing aspect of things um, with Sportsnet bets um, at the end of the day. I mean, obviously, you've got Batan or Bet365, BetMGM. You know, Bet is prominent in, in almost every book or a lot of books' names. 
I think that was certainly a source of confusion. And then on top of that, when you add in their deals with, and I probably won't get all of them correct, but DraftKings, BetMGM, Bet365, et cetera, it was just sort of a lot to a lot to absorb added to the confusion. And and one thing we don't think we talked much about, but we also have to appreciate for the, the folks at SM Bets, I'm sure it was a real challenge dealing with the different requests and uh, and directions that these respective uh, books wanted the content to go to into uh, as well. Uh, you look at TSN and majority, or if not 100% comes through the FanDuel uh, brand at the end of the day, not saying that that's easy, but certainly it's easier to, to deal with that with, in terms of direction. If there's if there's one group as uh, in comparison to several different books um, with their respective demands and interests in that content that you're producing for the various shows. Uh, I want to ask Amanda and Chris, uh, start with Amanda. Amanda, like, is there a point, and I know this is uh, an industry where things change, it feels like on almost every daily basis, but is there a point where you have a chance to kind of sit down and catch your breath and, and you you reflect a little bit and you, and you see what's next? Kind of kind of your to your point about the, we're in this tried and testing period right now. Um, but I look, I look ahead and, uh, you know, we have a women's world cup soccer tournament that's going to happen in 2023. And, and, uh, I've talked about it in the early stages of this forum about, uh, about a sport like cricket that's growing so fast in this country and, and a multicultural, uh, country and what the opportunities might be there. Like, is there a point where you think you're, you'll kind of look at what, what's, what's next or the industry's looking at what's next, or is that just, is that foolish? foolish thinking on my part or short-sighted on my part? It's, I think the honest answer, it's a bit of both. I mean, I know for us, you know, Super Bowl, we go into a post-mortem as soon as the game's done and we kind of look at how we did and what went up, what went down, what stayed the same. And then, you know, we really start months out planning for that. Um, we're heading right into March Madness. So typically the fall, winter isn't really the time that we try to you know, do too much tweaking, but certainly, you know, from the other side of this, the casino side, we're always in discussions with our content suppliers. We're always looking to release, you know, even on our side right now, like, you know, there's a few, a handful of new games every week that drop on the website. So, you know, even if you're not able to kind of, you're working between these big tentpole events on the sports side, usually most operators are trying to get fresh new casino content pushed out. Um, but really on the sports side, the summer is the time to kind of regroup because then you're going to be soon planning back into the start of the full of the of the fall season. But for us, you know, it's it's really because we're in a cycle and it's the same cycle every year. Um, you have some quieter months, which tend to be in the summer, but the planning is always, always happening. Great. Thanks for that, Amanda. Chris? You know, I... Um... I was, I was thinking about it this way. If you are a UFC fighter and you're in the middle of your fight, you're probably not thinking about your next fight. And I think there's a lot of that going on here right now as well because this is, uh, an, you know, I don't want to sensationalize it too much, but it's it's a bloodbath. Like it's, it's, it's a lot of operators fighting for market share early. And I think when you're so focused on that, it is a little tougher to to pull out and see down the road, like what are we going to do you know, 12 months from now, I think, uh, I think everyone would have uh, an idea of what they want it to be, want it to look like. But I know internally for us, I mean, we're always adjusting uh, our strategy, uh, you know, what our targets might be um, based on the information we get back. So I think it's, um, you know, I think the companies that have 
the luxury of being ahead in market share might have a little bit more time to 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 focus on the long term. I think there's a lot of other companies who are are really fighting it out uh, for the short term right now. Great. We're going to wrap it up there. It's uh, three o'clock. We'll finish right on the button this week, which is which is nice. Uh, thanks uh, to everyone for for a great show. Uh, Chris Abbott from Botano, Amanda Brewer from Kinder Group, John Pappas from GeoComply, Michael Moskowitz from North Star Gaming, and Jonah Siegel from YYZ Media. Thanks uh, all of you for for ch- chiming in today, along with Mark Silver and, and Mike Day. We produce a podcast from from these LinkedIn audio shows that comes out on on Sunday mornings on uh, uh, Substack, Spotify, and Apple. Uh, the newsletter, Gaming News Canada newsletter, comes out Tuesday and Thursday mornings at around 9 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, everybody enjoy the rest of their week and kind of feel like maybe it's a chance to all of us to catch our breaths with, uh, with the Super Bowl having uh, come and gone. And, and uh, maybe we get back to some sense of normalcy this weekend and we can put our feet up and en- enjoy a little bit of quiet time with our, with our friends and family. Uh, take care, everybody, and we look forward to seeing you again next Thursday here on LinkedIn Audio. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at gamingnewscanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.